Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. We've been dealing uh, specifically with end time events, looked at several things. Um, past few weeks we've been focusing specifically on the Antichrist, on the false prophet, and what's involved with him and, and uh, with these guys and some signs to look for and what the Bible says about it. We talked a lot about the false prophet last week who's going to be able to deceive the whole world into worshiping the Antichrist. Um, he's going to be able to do great wonders. He's going to have all these signs. Uh, somehow, some way, there's going to be an image or an idol that speaks. It seems to be able to come to life and it seems to be through that uh, he can enforce uh, th that worship of that will be required and he can enforce not worshiping it uh, by killing um, other places in scripture as we'll see it seems to mention beheading so I don't know if that's going to make a return uh, or uh, exactly what's going on there but he has the power to enforce worship of the Antichrist and for this study, we come to probably the most well-known passage in Revelation. Um, very well-known subject, not just by people in church, but by people as a whole. Uh, maybe not in-depth uh, as much as, as like some, uh, a study we're doing, but I, I think just about everybody has heard of the Mark of the Beast. Everybody has heard in some way, shape, or form of 666 and they know that it's bad uh, so this has gotten around evidently um, I think most of it's superstition how, how people know that 666 is bad it's kind of like why there's no 13th floors on L, uh, hotels and things it's kind of a superstitious thing but um, the passage we're going to read is one of those that has kind of gotten out there it's taken hold people know it to some shape or form. So Revelation chapter 13, we're just going to focus on three verses this evening and then we'll be finished. Revelation 3 verse 16, or excuse me, Revelation 13 verse 16. And he, this is speaking about the prof, false prophet, he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. Six, six, six. Um, again, a lot of people you meet, um, they're going to know some form about that. They're going to heard of the mark of the beast, or they would even equate that with six, six, six. If you do a Google search, it's pretty interesting. Um, sometimes I like to do that to see what's out there. Did a Google search, clicked on images, and you see the, uni uh, the usual suspects, barcodes everywhere, pictures of barcodes everywhere, uh, pictures of microchips everywhere. You got Charles Manson thrown in there, Rob Zombie thrown in there, a lot of pictures of Bill Gates, uh, but there was a couple of them that surprised me. Um, one of them was a poster-looking thing that said... Uh, the mark of the beast is forced Sunday worship because it goes against God's law. And that's Seventh-day Adventist, I'm sure, that the mark of the beast is going to church on Sunday, according to Seventh-day Adventists. And the whole world will do it. And so it's a sign of a worship of a false god. 
Or there was another one that surprised me with this quote. It said, wearing a mark on their foreheads and following a false prophet, and it shows a Make America Great hat. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that one was pretty funny. People think Trump is the Antichrist, and a mark of the beast is wearing a MAGA hat. As with topics like this, people will spin it in all kind of directions. There's all kinds of theories. They're really endless. Um, and this is one of those things people kind of twist and make it say what they think it is. Well, this must be the mark, or this it must be this because it's in your right hand, or it's in your forehead, or it's in your eyes, or whatever it is. And people take it and they kind of spin it all different directions. Well, I understand this is prophecy, and I understand that this is unknown. We're dealing largely with something that is unknown. But the best thing we can do is simply let the Bible say what it says, try to understand that, and then pray for a discerning spirit or wisdom as things progress. So what I want to do tonight is just look at what the Bible says, because in the end that's what matters, and maybe think a little bit about what could possibly be a mark of the beast. And... A lot of this is relative, too. We're, we're in our times with our technology and our setting. People 50 years ago would never think of some of the things that we're thinking of. As people hundreds of years ago, even at the time that this letter, this is a letter. Revelation is a letter. A letter to seven churches, right? Even at the time this was passed around, they would be dealing with a whole different uh, outlook. So I want to speak to that a little bit. So... Remember, this is included in the description of the false prophet. It's already told us how he is uh, aligned with and in power with the Antichrist. It's told us of his sway over the world, how he's got this immense power to persuade people. People will see him on TV or media or whatever, and they're going to immediately believe everything that he says. They're going to be fully sold to his message, and it will be to worship the Antichrist. We've already discussed some of what that could mean, but this is in his power. This is his realm. The Antichrist doesn't enforce it. The false prophet does. It's called the mark of the beast because the the mark has to do with worship of the Antichrist, but the one who enforces it, the one who puts it in play, is the false prophet. So let's look at what the Bible says. Verse 16, it says, He causes all. He causes. In this passage, that term either to cause or to make, is used repeatedly. This guy has immense power. This is forced. This mark is going to be forced. At the same time, it's going to be met with willing compliance. So it's going to be a requirement, but it's going to be one that people line up for. And I say that because of the wonders that are done. In verse uh, 13, he doeth great wonders. In verse 14, he deceives them that dwell on the earth. In verse 3, the whole world wondered after the beast, and they worshiped the dragon, which gave power to the beast, and they worshiped the beast. So this mark of the beast is not is going to be forced, but it's going to be met with willing compliance. People will line up, and they will, they will take this mark because of the deceptive power of the beast. Remember, Jesus warns in Matthew chapter 24, there's going to come a lot of false prophets. They're going to deceive many. They're going to use lying signs and wonders so deceptive that if it was possible, they could deceive the very elect. So this guy's going to look good. He's going to sound good. And his idea of implementing this mark of the beast is going to sound good to everybody and look good to everybody, possibly those who aren't being discerning. 
There could be people in church that say, oh, wow, this is a good idea. And I'll speak to that probably towards the end. But he causes people. He causes all to take this. And all means all. It's not just some, like the evil people, or the poor people, or this certain group, or that certain group. He causes all. And if there's any doubt, John gives a detailed description. In the Greek, it reads something like this. Both small and great and rich and poor and free and bond. Just a a whole long line of all these descriptors. Small and great is not talking about size. Literally in the Greek, it's micro and mega. It's social status. Those who are not important, those who are down on the food chain, if you will, of society, and those who are great in society. So, everyday normal man, presidents. Working class and government. I mean, you got all these levels of society. He says, both small and great. And it's not just for the rich or just for the poor. Both rich and poor and free and slave. So sometimes when we think about these kind of things, especially um, with any kind of control, we think of a social class movement, right? You've got this, this upper ruling class and then everybody else is kept under their boot. You've got these people who have privilege and all of these other people are told what to do. That's not the case with the mark. And sometimes I think we see it like it's going to be a governmental control. It'll be a governmental control, but there's only one guy in government, and that's Antichrist. Everybody else, all people, are required to take this mark. This is far beyond any kind of social class control, like the rich controlling the poor. This is world control by one individual. By this, he will control the world, literally. All of the population, every single person. So, he causes all, small, great, rich, poor, free, and bond, to receive, Greek is, they are given. It's not like, hey, let me give you a gift. No, you're taking this. You're going to receive this. He gives them a mark in their right hand or on their forehead. So, like I said, I think some people are going to receive this willingly, but everyone is going to be required to have this. It's going to be forced compliance. So what is this mark? What is it? Well, the word mark, um, the Greek word means a stamp, an imprinted mark, a brand like you put on horses, a scratch or etching, and it's from a root word that means to sharpen something by scraping it to a point. So it sounds pretty physical and literal, doesn't it? Something that is etched or stamped or branded or scratched into somebody. That's what the word means. and It's pretty straightforward. Something He gives this mark, and it seems to be a physical mark that is actually imprinted on somebody. And it says it's on their right hand or forehead. I, From my reading, I couldn't see if there's any significance to that. It just seems to be what the requirement is going to be. Now, some people say, well, could, is there something that you would hold in your right hand, or, or is it could be talking about your eye, like a um, a corneal scan, um, would seem to be the forehead to John. I, I just think it's talking about it's either on the right hand or the forehead, um, is what John seems to have seen, and 
that's, that's where I'm going to leave it. I think it's pretty straightforward, again, what it says. It's what the mark does that's important, or what it, the power that it has. It's not necessarily the mode of it, it's what it does, and that's in verse 17. No man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So whatever this is, you cannot buy or sell without it. We have absolutely no idea what that means. You want something, you go buy it, right? You want a Coke, you go buy a Coke. You want some food, you're hungry, you stop in. If you don't have money, anybody carry cash nowadays? They pay for things with cash here and there. Most of the time, I'm paying with a card. I don't have cash. I got a card. So even if I not, might not have money on me, I've got a way to pay for it. And if I don't have money in my bank account, we've got credit cards, right? That we can pay later. Buy now, pay later. We don't know what it's like not to be able to buy or sell. That's just what we do. We make a, some, some of you guys make a living at it, and I make a living to buy and sell things, right? This, this, is, this is something that I think is going to be completely foreign to us. Because what the, the, the sense that it gives is you could have all the cash in the world. Without this mark, you ain't getting anything. Nothing. No man can buy or sell, save that he had the mark. Can't buy anything can't sell anything. That's absolute total control, isn't it? That's control of distribution. That's control of product. That's control of demand. That's control of purchasing power. Absolute control. Now, this is starting to line up with what I see is the third seal. Remember, there's restrictions placed by the uh, the third horseman, I guess if you want to call it, who we named Famine, where he says uh, a measure of wheat is going to cost this much and a measure of barley in control of the balances and the, the food distribution and all of that. This is where I see this beginning to take hold. You can't buy or sell anything unless you have this mark. So how is he going to get everybody to do that? Well, don't, don't, don't forget the worship part, okay? Everybody's going to be in love with this Antichrist. They're going to think he is the answer to everything. So there's going to be masses of willing people. But you and I know how easy this can work, especially in recent days. Government makes a unilateral decision, and we have to comply, don't we? They make it, and then all of a sudden it takes effect. So can you imagine if... if uh, all of a sudden, this is now required to buy or purchase anything, whether it's this monetary system or this mark or this whatever it is, you can't buy or sell. So the next time you go to the store and you try to use your debit card, uh, excuse me, sir, do you have this or do you have that? No. Well, we're going to have to decline and you need to do that. Uh, you need to get this taken care of before you can buy anything. You know how quick people will, will sign up once you threaten that? You can't buy food for your house. You can't sell anything to get the right kind of money because you have to have whatever this mark is. Um, those who put up any resistance will quickly fall in line. Except those who see through it, see past it, God's people. And it's going to be interesting. I, 
again, I, I think is kind of out of our roundhouse. We've never, um, the closest we've faced to anything like a famine or a shortage is uh, when we would go to the stores and there's no toilet paper or there's no uh, Clorox wipes or anything. You can't buy it because it's not there, right? And you go to four different stores, you can't buy it. So that's the closest thing we've faced to not having. We, we want to buy something, we go buy it. We want to sell something, we go sell it. This is going to be a whole different experience. Brother Bob. There is a quote I came across, and I don't, I don't remember if it was somebody during America, or in America during World War II, or it might have been in one of the countries over in Europe that was hit specifically hard, and they had ration cards, same thing like you're saying. Um, and, and the quote went along the lines of something, there's not a, a worse or a more devious invention known to man than the ration card. Because they tell you when you can eat, when you cannot, and if you do not have that, you do not eat. Kind of went along the lines of that. And the author of that certain article was just saying, listen, that's kind of the, the, the same realm we're talking about with this mark of the beast. You can't eat. You can't, do any, you can't buy anything to eat or, or sell anything unless you have this mark. So again, this is it's kind of out of our wheelhouse, but... That's what the Bible says. That's what John sees. Nobody does any commerce unless they are unless they are in line with this mark. So again, that's total control of everything. Total control of the food chain, distribution, commerce, total control of the population, and that is taken by not the image, not the wonders, but the mark. The mark is how um, the Antichrist through the false prophet gets his grip in the population of the world. Now, notice the things John has shown here. No man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark. He lists three things. That he had the mark, that engraving, stamp, all those things we described, seemingly this physical thing, or the name of the beast, which he doesn't give. Maybe that speaks to uh, people's worship of him. I'm, I'm professing, I, I'm glad to name the name of Christ. In fact, the, the Bible says, let it, no one be ashamed of that name. Let's, let's take glory in that name. I profess freely and give my allegiance to Christ, to God. Could it be that this name of the beast is something that people give allegiance to? It says uh, the name of the beast or the number of his name. Maybe that uh, refers perhaps to the system of his government. Um, Again, this is one of those things that's kind of hard to interpret, but there's three things listed here. The mark, the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Well, what is the number of his name? Verse 18, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding. Notice twice. Here is wisdom. He who has understanding. Count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. 666. That's a mystery. 
We know it's bad, right? We know we don't want it on our license plate or we don't want a room number 666 or, you know, if I, I, just one of those things that I don't know if it's just because it's been ingrained in me since I was a kid, but I see that number anywhere and instantly, oh, that's bad. I don't care if it's in a phone number. It, oh, that's an evil phone number now because it has those numbers in it. It's just one of those things we catch on to. What does it mean? It's the number of the beast. That's about all I know. That's about all the Bible says. Now, some people combine it with the end of verse 17 and say the number of his name is 666. And there's this, there's this whole study, um, it's quite in-depth. I don't quite understand it all, but they, they attach numbers to letters. And so they'll take letters of people's names and they'll add them up. The most simple one I saw was Corona has six letters. And if you take the position in the alphabet, like C is 3, A is 1, and you add those up, it comes to 66. So six letters with a total of 66. Maybe coronavirus is the mark of the beast. You can go all different ways. That's what I'm saying with, with this stuff when you get into it. Some of you might be familiar with that. Greek has a numbering system. Alpha is 1. Beta is 2. Latin we should be familiar with. You ever use Roman numerals? The letter I has a count of 1. The letter V has a count of 5, right? So it's not too foreign to us. So people have taken uh, leaders in history, their names, and kind of messed with it, and they'll come up with the number of somebody's name. Hitler's name happens to come out to 666. And I can, I can certainly see people living in... Uh, the 40s and 50s, seeing this, or early 40s, seeing this guy rise to power and his, his dominance over the world, yeah, okay. I, they could say, look, it's the Antichrist, and so the Nazi symbol must be the mark of the beast, or whatever it is. Nero, Caesar Nero, his name added up to 666. And there's been others down through history. But they weren't the Antichrist, were they? They weren't. They were antichrists, but they weren't the antichrist. So people can go down and try to count the number of the beast and the number of his name and, and try, to, try to add that all up. Is it going to be the, the total of somebody's name that rises? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Is his slogan going to be 666? <laughs> people said Ronald. Oh, I forgot his, name, his middle name. Ronald Reagan, each, each one of his name had six letters. So they said Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist. I mean, you, you can go all different ways. I don't know, but the Bible says, let us have wisdom, let him have understanding. I think, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to know. I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit is going to um, be guiding. He's going to lead us into all truth. When this guy comes on the scene and some of this start, stuff starts lining up again with the book of Revelation, it's going to be quite evident what this 666 stands for. If it has anything to do with his number or the number of his name and what it is. But there's a phrase there in the middle. Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. It is the number of a man. Well, there's also another 
study in Numbers, and that's called biblical numerology. Um, that's quite fascinating uh, to spend time with numbers in Scripture. Um, I won't get into it, but there's a lot of different um, numbers that are attached to things. Man's number is six. We're created on the sixth day. You can run it down through Scripture and see references where six correlates with man. So if you have 666, you have a trinity, don't you? You have a trinity of man. And think of that. You have the dragon, you have antichrist, you have prophet. All of it as man or rebellion against God at its best, right? That's going to be Satan's last attempt. This antichrist is going to be man at his most depraved. This false prophet is going to be man at his most depraved. Satan is God's creation at its most depraved. Right? And this is going to be their best attempt. He's going to attempt to stamp out the saints. He's going to make war with uh, Christ Himself, make war with the Lamb. He's going to try to overthrow God in His last greatest attempt, which will take place during that seven-year period on earth. Could that be talking about it? Well, whatever it is, it falls short because six never becomes seven, and seven is the number of perfection. So it's a number of a man. This is all man's centered around man, and it's going to fall. I wish I could help more. I wish I could say, well, look, this is what the mark of the beast did. All I can do is help maybe give some thoughts about it. It's something that is all is going to be enforced with everyone. doesn't matter who you are. seems to be on your right hand, your forehead. You cannot buy or sell with it. And it has everything to do. It centers around the person of the Antichrist and, and worship of Him. So the question we ask all the time when we talk about something like this, what exactly is the mark? Is this something literal? Or is this something figurative? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. How many think it's actual something physical on your body? Well, something actually scribed in maybe your right hand or your forehead on in having something to do physically. How many think it's maybe figurative? It's okay to raise your hand for both. Here's, I'm going to try to explain at least why I think on both sides of that. And here's why I say figurative. Revelation uses figurative language, right? Is the Antichrist really going to be this giant monster with seven heads coming out of the ocean like Godzilla? It's going to be a man, right? But John, and John has shown figurative language to, to talk about all the different aspects, right? Of his power and government and his power with people and all of these, these different things. So, um, Revelation uses figurative language. Could it be the same when John is seeing this that it's something figurative? Are we okay? We're good? Okay. Um, is Babylon really a woman? Is she really a pretty dressed whore riding on a beast? No. It's figurative language, right? To describe some things. So could it be the same with 
the mark of the beast? We, we, we need to consider that at least. So let's, let's talk about those. Um, and if you have any ideas or anything that maybe you've heard, feel free to share because, you know, I, I don't have the answers on this. This is one of the things I don't know. It could be. I see. I see. Uh, I see what you're saying. Um, and this is going to be something that has to do with allegiance to Antichrist too. So it'd be something as if they're sitting on their right hand. Um, the forehead makes me think of Deuteronomy chapter six, right? Bind these things about your neck. Your put them in between your eyes. I can't remember the exact language, but something that's to be on the front of your mind, right? It could be figurative language for that, too, certainly. Let's talk about the literal side, because it, it seems to really speak that way, right? That's what the, the Greek word means, some physical mark on your hand or on your head, and very much tied into the monetary system. So is it a barcode? Is it a microchip? Is it a tattoo? Is it something physical? Could be. Let's think of... Let, let's Let's... Before we start thinking in the realm of today, let's go back to A.D. 90, when John writes this and this letter is passed around. This isn't so far future like, oh man, what, is this, what does this mean? And people wouldn't, wouldn't read this and say, what in the heck is the mark of the beast and no man buying or selling? What are you talking about? No, they would be very familiar with it. There was such a thing called Caesar worship, a worship of Caesar. In the Roman Empire, Caesar was God. When they died, they were deified. So when Julius Caesar died, he became a god. Um, so what the ruling Caesars would do is they just elevate themselves. So a Caesar's father who died would be called a god. So guess what the ruler who was alive, the son, called himself? Son of God, right? So they would, they would automatically put themselves in that position. And the ruling Caesar, at the, if, if John writes this in about 90, 95, somewhere around there, right before the end of the first century, the ruling Caesar is Domitian. I think I'm pronouncing that right. You might not care, might not matter. Here's what matters. You know what he demanded to be addressed as? Both Lord and God. You call me Lord and God. In fact, the Caesar in control had money printed with his image on it, and it said on there, Lord and God, Domitian. It, 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 the money would have their face on it, and it would have the inscribing of their deity. And to be a successful part of the empire, to buy or sell, to have a business in the empire, you had to profess, uh, yeah, you had to profess Caesar. You had to pledge your allegiance to Caesar and use his money. Why do, you think, why do you think they had money changers at the temple? Because the temple, you know, the, the one that Jesus flew over the tables, the temple's not going to take that dirty money. No, that's pagan money. You're going to buy something in the temple, we'll change it out for temple coins, 
We're not going to have that blasphemous stuff coming in. You already see how that's lining up a little bit? How they would understand that? To be a part of society, a successful part of the Roman Empire, they had to swear to allegiance to and worship Caesar, and the coins they were using had Caesar's mark all over it. And to buy anything in the Roman Empire, you had to use Roman money. So that could fit, and it probably did fit that at their time. They would understand this. Don't bow down to Caesar. Don't give in to that. Be careful of this mark that's going around and all, all of that having to do with their everyday life. I think the main thrust is yet to come, though. I think this is talking about future. So when we talk about the mark of the beast in our day, even within the past couple months, what comes to your mind? Microchips, right? Vaccine with a microchip in it given to us by Bill Gates. I mean, that, that's kind of the talk that I've heard that this, this coronavirus or COVID-19 uh, vaccine that everybody's talking about that supposedly everybody's going to have to have. It has some kind of a microchip that will have all your information on it so you won't have to have ID cards anymore. It's going to be in your hand. Just implanted underneath the skin. Or I guess in your forehead too, but main one I've seen is, is in your right hand. So it's kind of like a microchip in a dog. We got microchips in our dog, right? They want to know whose it is. They just scan it. I'm going to get that in my dog. Maybe that's the mark of the beast. I could be careful of getting that. We have this technology already, right? So if you want to buy something, you don't got to fool with cards or remembering your wallet or even having your cell phone. Just scan your hand because that'll be connected to your bank account. So you don't really have to touch cash anymore. After all, cash is dirty and cash could spread viruses. Uh, so even cards, and you got to push the numbers on the buttons and blah, blah, blah. So wouldn't it be easy if you just technically got paid by having something transferred into your account and then when you make a purchase, it's deducted from your account? In fact, we're going really to really be careful with this whole pandemic and we're just going to do away with all of it. In fact, if you want to buy at our stores, you have to use this method. If you want to receive a check from your uh, company, you have to have this method. I don't think companies write live checks anymore. I don't think I could, I don't think Cisco does that. It, direct deposits required. That way they don't have their bank account information floating out waiting for you to cash it. I think direct deposits require. So this wouldn't this just be a step in a better way? That's a lot of what I've seen going around. Sound familiar? We could, we could see. I, I could see things going like that. I could see that being, in one way, shape, or form, the mark of the beast. Or barcodes, right? Which, with the same kind of idea, tied to your bank account, tied to a money system. Is that the mark? I don't know. One said, you know, sharpening to a point and engraving, wouldn't they put a needle in your skin? You go all different ways. I don't know. It says to have wisdom, right? 
Here's some wisdom that comes up when I consider this. No one's taking the mark by accident. Do you think if my grandparents go down to get a vaccine against this, that they're going to turn around and say, "Uh uh-oh, I took the mark of the beast. Nobody's going to say that. Everybody who goes for this mark is going to know full well what it is. They might be deceived in who it points to, but they're going to know what the mark represents. The mark is going to represent worship of the world leader at that time. Remember, it says in, in chapter 13, in several verses, I already read them, the world wondered after, they worshipped the dragon, they worshipped the beast, they give their allegiance to him. Verse 8, All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life, and the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It's going to be tied to worship, so it's not going to be an accidental thing. And if this microchip and vaccine thing has any weight to it, there's going to be a lot of people who turn around and maybe they got it for health's sake. They're going to turn around and say, Oh, no, I don't think the mark is like that. I think people know. And I think it's going to be clear what it's about. Not saying it's not something literal and physical. Okay, let's think of figurative now. This is in the realm of talking about worship and allegiance to something other than God. Turning away from God, turning away from God with all your being and worshiping something else. Giving your whole spirit, soul, body, man, 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 six, 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 giving all of yourself to the worship of this individual. Turning totally away from the truth and going this way. Let me just throw this in here now. It's interesting to note where else 666 is used. You know it's used in other places in the Bible? Not just in Revelation? It's used in one other place with one very interesting individual, Solomon. In fact, his income was 666 talents of gold. And that was after he fell away. After his heart had turned away from God, he had totally focused on himself, building his own empire, being about his thoughts, which he later turned back from. His income was 666. After he had broken the law of Deuteronomy 17, when it says, the king shall not have a big army for himself, the king shall not have multiple wives, the king shall not have large amounts of gold and silver, and the king shall keep God's law. Solomon broke all of those, didn't he? Like one right after the other. I don't think it's a coincidence that he broke all of God's law, forsook it, turned away to himself, and pretty much worshipped and built up himself. I think it's going to be the same thing with the Antichrist, the false prophet, where people turn away and whatever the message of this guy is, it's very self-involved, it's very worshiping somebody who gets it, who, who um, promotes man. I, 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 don't, I don't know how quite to put it in words, but I think this is allegiance to somebody who is not God. And so you are figuratively marked. You give your allegiance to this person rather than God. You can't be a part of society unless you do it. 
uh, Bob led on already. If something is precious to you, your right hand, a place of honor in your heart, something that's in your mind, your forehead. And that shouldn't sound too out of the ordinary, being figuratively marked. I got, I got questions. Why do we focus so much on the Antichrist? Why do we focus so much on the mark of the beast? That's not the only mark that's in Revelation. And the Revelation isn't about Antichrist, it's about Jesus Christ. And Jesus has a mark. Did you know that? Jesus has a mark. Look in chapter 3 and verse 12. I want you to see these. This is what the focus of Revelation should be. Mark of the beast? Yeah, that's coming. We think, oh, it's so scary. It's going to be so bad. Hey, there's another mark that I want that will give me strength. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Does that mean Jesus is going to take a sharpie and write YHWH on our foreheads? No, that's a figurative mark. He's mine. My seal is set on him. Chapter 7. And verse 1. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of, God, of our God in their foreheads. And then it goes on to describe Israel. There is a seal that God has that He places upon His. Does that mean we get a stamp, a mark, an imprint on foreheads? Or is it one that's maybe upon the heart? Chapter 9, verse 4 says, uh, It was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. You see it again there? And again in chapter 14 and verse 1 says, There was 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. I don't think we think that's a literal mark. There's not going to be two classes of people in the end of days, one with God's name and others with 666 walking around. And you can tell just by looking. I think it's talking about the heart and who it's given to, who it's worshiping. The mark of God, the seal of God, is a symbol of their faithfulness to Him. Could not the mark of the beast be the same, but in the opposite way? Things to consider. I stand tonight and think it's a combination of both. It is a physical thing that perhaps is taken or given, excuse me, but one that rep, that is taken by people who have already given their full allegiance to the beast. Make sense? Brother Bob. Um, I'm just, I would speculate that one of the reasons that we spend so much time focusing on the Antichrist, at least for one, is that we truly know if we recognize that as true, 
here. That's true. Whereas we spend all our time now speculating as to when it'll be, you know, looking for alternate signs. That's true. I, I don't think it's bad. I just think sometimes we get bogged down. I, let me speak for myself. I can get bogged down in the weight of all what it means. Like this mark of the beast, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Well, there's another mark that's better. And you might ask yourself, well, how, okay, you say it's bad. How bad is it? Like, can I just take it like fake to feed my family? Or is it, can we like tell one person in the church to take it? And they can like get food for us all. Wouldn't wouldn't it's not that big of a deal, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Not only because I think it speaks to the heart, but there is some there is some uh, hell to pay for it. We won't go. We'll go to one Revelation fourteen, and look at verse nine. Revelation sixteen two. One of the judgments is that all those who received the mark of the beast have this grievous sore, this cancerous just thing that eats into their skin, probably where the mark is. And that's part of the wrath of God being poured out on them. This is the one that uh, I think sums it up. Chapter 14, verse 9. The third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. No, nobody's taking it fake. Nobody's like skating by, like faking them out and, and one person taking the fall. No. Okay, so what does that mean? If you take the mark of the beast, you lose your salvation? That seems pretty, pretty heavy. Let me just put it this way. I'm going to go a little Calvinistic on this one. If somebody takes the mark of the beast, I would question the reality of their salvation in the first place. This is wholesale allegiance to Satan's man. This is wholesale allegiance to Satan. Didn't Revelation 13 say they worshipped the dragon? They worshipped the beast? They worship his image? But for a servant to God also, servant of God also, to knowingly choose to give allegiance to these, there's dire consequences. There's dire consequences. This is a big deal. That's why I think it's it's so much more than some little microchip with our bank account. It talks about the soul, the spirit, the wholesale allegiance of somebody giving their worship to somebody other than God and somebody who claims to be God's child to say, nope, go on here. That's the same thing Satan did. Right? There's dire consequences. I think I'll just leave it at that. So until then, we pray for wisdom. Keep our eyes open and pray for a discerning spirit. And I think it will be clear. We'll see. It'll be made known to us. And pray for wisdom on it. That is... uh,
That is the mark of the beast. And, and that brings us through the first four seals. And we're going to pick up here next week. We've already gone through the first four seals. I think that's about, we're right about in the timeline. That's through most of the first seven years. Now we've got to go back and fill in some gaps because there's some other things going on. But that brings us there uh, to that point. So we'll pick that up next week. For those tuning in, we'll see you Sunday, 10 a.m. Any questions?